Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest on the show today is Benjamin Muller. He is a team leader at Leica Geosystems in the R&D section. And today on the podcast, we're talking about using a point cloud to tell a story. So as you might have guessed from that short introduction, this is not going to be the typical point cloud episode. We're not talking about tools and techniques and measurements. Today, we're talking about storytelling. In fact, this point cloud that we're going to be talking about was used to make a film, not to make better measurements. And you might be wondering, well, what is the point in that? Why would somebody want to make a film? Well, throughout this episode, you're going to hear Benjamin talk about a transformation, making change happen. And the data scientists in the audience might be thinking, yeah, what well, change happens when you get better information. Give me the facts, show me the analysis, disprove my theory, and I will change. And I think while this might be true for you sometimes, it's not true for everyone all the time. Sometimes what people need is not more facts, not better measurements. What they need is a belief, a story, a vision, something that offers an alternative to the story they already have in their heads. Now, I realize this sounds really wishy-washy, but facts don't always speak for themselves. If you can pack them in in a story, if you can wrap a visualization around the truth, you're going to reach a lot of people. And who knows? You might just make change happen. Before we get started today, I want to say thanks to Hexagon for helping make this podcast episode possible. Hi, Benjamin. Welcome to the podcast. So my understanding is that you are a team leader in R&D at Lyco Geosystems, and you have something to do with mechatronics. But today on the podcast, we're not talking about mechatronics. <laughs> we're going to be talking about making a film. And I think before we sort of move off in, in that direction, would you mind introducing yourself, please, to the audience? Maybe you could give us a little bit more information about your background, perhaps explain what Mechatronics is. Yes. Hello. My name is Benjamin Müller, and I work as a team leader at Leica Geosystem in the R&D section. So we are doing Mechatronics, and that means combining disciplines like software and mechanics and electronic to one and make our devices move. So, for example, we develop drive chains for laser scanner or total station motorization, angle system, bearing system, and so on. Let me provide a little bit of context for, for the listeners here. So I have been sent a document. So but before we do interviews like this, we have what I call as a pre-interview. So we, we get together and we figure out the storyline, questions, topics, that kind of thing. And so one of the documents you sent me, the title of it was Greening the City, a data-driven approach to a sustainable urban development. Now, with your background and a title like that, I was actually expecting a story about how we collected some data at a very high resolution. We used that data to create some better, stronger, faster insights, which led to people making better decisions. I mean, this is the typical story in geospatial. But in this case, you made a film. How does someone like you, with your background, get involved in, in filmmaking? So this is some kind of a co-accident. But I have a friend and he was connecting me to this project because he knows that I work in Leica Geosystems. The project was asking me, do you have a 3D model of the city? Because we want to visualize in a big picture, but also in detail, how the city can be transformed to a more sustainable city, so a future-proof city. So I was going to Leica and asking, do you have some kind of 3D data? And I was collecting all the information, and then I did some kind of a, a demo project. And then they said, yes, we want to do this. So this was how I became involved in this project. So, so maybe we, should, we, we need a little bit more context here as well. 
When you talk about the city, what city are you talking about? This is the city of St. Gallen. This is close to the Lake Constance, so close to Austria and Germany, but in the Swiss part. So it's also very close to Herbruck, which, like a geosystem, is located. And I'm living in this city. So for me, it was not only from the Leica and professional side interesting to be part of this project. It was also, for me as a citizen, very interesting to be part of a transformation to a more sustainable and greener and future-proof city. Okay, so I think people listening to this will understand why you know, those things are, are good things, why we want to move in that direction. I guess what I'm missing is the context here. So we've been talking about LiDAR data and also talking about making a film. Why do we need to collect LiDAR data to make a film? To transform a city into a future-proof city, as it is, it needs a big picture. And if we walk through the, through the city, we only see a very small perspective. To make the big picture of a city and transform it in the big scale, we need to change the perspective. And 3D data are very interesting for this because we have a different perspective. We can really zoom out and see the city as a whole and start changing the city from a complete different perspective. So we have the big picture and we can really zoom in and zoom out and have the transformation on a complete different level. But we're not talking about making measurements here, are we? We're talking about visualizations, like seeing things from different angles, being able to approach the city in a, in a different way and getting an overview of it. That's correct. So we are using measurement data, so high accuracy geospatial data for visualizing the city. The purpose was only visualization of the city and not doing high accuracy measurements. So I guess I've got a couple of questions here. Why do you need high accuracy measurements to, to do this? This is the first question. And why not just use something like Google Earth, for example? If you make um, a fly through through the city and you dive in to the city, you can do this on Google. And then you will notice that it's not beautiful. With high accurate data, it makes much more sense because, for example, walls of the of the houses are not tilted or something like this. They are really like they are. So the quality of the data we used were much more real to the city than it is on Google Maps or Google Earth. I get that. Like I, I get that we have more accurate, that we can create more accurate models than what we see in Google Earth, for example. But what difference does that make? Because we're used to seeing things like Google Earth. We're used to seeing models that are created off the back of photogrammetry, perhaps, where you know, things are a little bit slanted, but hey, you know, it's still 3D. We can still zoom around. It's my city. I, I, I get the point. Explain why it's, why it's important to have this LiDAR model of the city. There are different points. So one point is to have really actual data. So it's not two or three or five years old. So we need the data as the city is now. And also one purpose was that we have also the point cloud. So if I go to, for example, Google, I don't have a point cloud. For the project and the project leader, it was really important that we also have the point cloud because, for example, trees, so we want to change the city into a green city. So trees are really important in this study and also in the visualization. And trees in a point cloud look much realer than it does in Google. For example, in Google, they look like a little bit like balloons. And 
a real tree is a little bit more transparent. So you have the leaves and you can see through the tree. You can see sometimes the building behind the tree or the ground below the tree. So this was really important that it looks as realistic as possible. So part of the realism that you're talking about is also the color. Did you just collect LiDAR, like just points, or did you also colorize them using by collecting imagery at the same time? We used the Leica CityMapper 2, which is a combination of LiDAR and imaging at the same time. So the imaging comes also from the same sensor, which uses, I think, six cameras or something like this, and cameras in different wavelengths. And it's really an, uh, an advanced sensor, which makes a really nice colorized point cloud. And how long did it take you to collect that? Like, what, what was the build-up to collecting this like? Could you just, you, you got the go-ahead from the project manager. Yes, we, we need this, this highly accurate point cloud. We would also like it to be colorized. Could you just go and find one of those? What was it like to create it? How long did it take? So from the point we say we, we want to have the data until I had it on my computer was close to one year. But collecting the data took one day. So eight-hour flight to collect it. but. In between, there were a lot of post-processing and the, the whole ordering stuff and discussion where the borders are, which region do we need, how is the accuracy and all the discussion. So all over one year, collecting the data with the sensor one day. Wow, it's a big build-up for, for one day's worth of collection. Okay, so people understood the, the value of this point cloud. They understood that uh, it'll work better, like it will get better results if it's more accurate people will relate to it they'll be able to see and that they'll have a relationship to this model this makes sense to me do so you go out and you invest in this this data set you get the data set back what, what was the processing of it like how, how long did that take what were some of the challenges you faced along the way so for me one of the biggest challenge was this crazy amount of data i got so it was something like um, two terabytes of point cloud and I really struggled at the beginning to load all this data into my computer. So first you need a hard drive, which is big enough, and then you need enough RAM and so on. And to work really in this point cloud, this was the biggest challenge. So I've heard people say before, working with LiDAR data, 80% of the work, 90% of the work is filtering the data that you collect. And your mission is to make this as realistic as possible so people can relate to the model. What were some of the things you needed to do to filter the data to make it look realistic to help people relate to it? Yeah, first point is, yes, I can confirm 80 to 90% is filtering the data. <laughs> and second, the whole model was so big that I had to focus on the points. So I really had to make low resolution for the points far in the, at the horizon. And if I, I need a high resolution at a certain point, I had to increase the resolution. So the model at the end I was working with was really that I focused on points which has high resolution to make it very beautiful and far distance horizon and far objects were with a very low resolution. Okay, that, that makes sense. One of the things you mentioned before was that people need to, back to this idea of making it look realistic, and one of the things you mentioned was that the walls aren't slanted, that you can see through the trees. Is there some sort of special filtering algorithm you run over the model to make the walls not slanted so we see them as the flat planes that they are? The walls 
I would say that the whole model at the end, to visualize it, was a hybrid model. So all the houses were modelized, so it was like a 3D model that we have planes. And the ground was also like a mesh and the trees and all the objects in the city were a point cloud. So it was really like a hybrid so that the house looks like a solid object and a tree looks like a transparent or like a real tree. Before you started building this model and working on this data, did you know that that's where you were going to end up, that you would need to do those things with the data, that this hybrid model to create the, this realism that we've been talking about? Yes, this was the part of this first year. So to discuss what makes most sense and how should it look like and working out together with Leica how the data are post-processed and then also sent to me. So I don't want to have only the point cloud. I, I wanted to have also these building models. Okay, so if I try and summarize here, the idea here is to create a film, to communicate to people what the city could look like and with the goal of making it a, a greener, more sustainable city. People already understood that we need a realistic model of the city as, as a base element, a place to start. So we collect this data, you process the data, you add these different elements to it so it becomes this hybrid model, again, with the goal of making this as realistic as possible. What, what did you do then? What were the next steps? So... I was working out with the project management, the plan, how the film looks like. So we had different parties here involved. So graphic designer, project management, and also the stakeholder. And we started to discuss this scene by scene, what can be done. So I was not involved in creating or changing the CD. I was only involved in visualizing in the 3D how the city can be changed. But there are a lot of people involved who say, okay, we can here change something here and plant trees, create parks, making encounter zones or recovery zones, biodiversity zones or something like this. So also people from the government were involved and started to create like a vision. And out of this vision, we realized during the project, it's more than a vision. It's a concept or even a strategy, which can be applied afterwards step by step to create more green or a sustainable city, which can be healthy to the people, but also to the whole environment. So it means also the whole biodiversity and the wildlife we have also in the city, including reducing hotspot or dust exposure for, from the traffic or something like this, and really see the, the city in 10 15 or 20 years and the film was then sliced in different chapters so that you can start applying low-hanging fruits immediately and start planning bigger steps which maybe are applied in 10 or 15 years so the whole story started to begin as a vision and then became a strategy so we have not only this film which is about 30 minutes we also have, or we created 16 books with detailed information how we do this transformation. So I want to go back to the idea of this vision concept strategy that you're talking about. And you talked about lot, lots of different people sitting around a table, sitting around a model, making these decisions, coming with input, saying, hey, it could look like this, we could do this. That 
vision and concept? Was that simply a matter of taking what they already had in documents or on you know paper maps somewhere and applying it to the model? Or did the model, because you know new data, more a realistic view of, of the world, of the city, did that lead to different decisions, different ideas? Definitely, because as I said some minutes ago, so if we change the perspective, it always changes also our imagination, how we can act in a city, how we can transform the city. And it was also really helpful for, for the people. So it, there were a lot of experts involved and they got a new perspective, a perspective they never had before from the city or from the surrounding of the city. And the impact was quite big from this data to apply new strategies to the transformation. Okay, so, so now that we've applied these strategies to the model, uh, the next step, I'm guessing anyway, is to go and create these films or a uh, film based upon the new strategies. Can you, you, can you talk me through that approach, please? I know that you slice the film, for example, into seven different, I think you call them chapters, but like, what was the aim of the film? The main goal of the film was also to have some kind of a visualization for the, the society or the citizen. Because um, maybe they don't want to read all these 16 books with all the details. So this is quite complex and you need a lot of background information to consume these books. The film was more to visualize it, what is the, could be the result. So to create this kind of vision, to imagine what it means. It's not, not only about putting some trees in the city and then we become a, a green city. It's much more like an all-over concept, how we can create recovery or encounter zones, uh, biodiversity zones, and also that people can really go through the city and dive in the city and see, ah, this is the city I want to live in in the future. This is what I want to do. So I'm also voting for this or I... I also want to be part of this. And I think it's like putting a seed into the soil and start growing this imagination of a future city. The film is like this seed. And how do people react to it? What, what do they do? What do they say? Do they watch the film? Do, how do you measure the, the results? Like, how do you measure if it were the success of, of a project like this? So I was also discussing this with the project management and the stakeholder. And in general, the, the film or the whole strategy, the people really like it. So they say, yes, I want to have this. And even outside of St. Gallen became noticed. So like um, the city of Geneva and also other cities, they said, oh, you did a very, very nice strategy here. We also need to do something like this. How can we do this? And the city governments started to use this film and these books or this project, some kind as a blueprint for creating their own strategy for the future. Just out of curiosity here, if we think about this in, in two parts, if we think about it, we use the model to, to get these experts around the table. They sat around, they, they looked at the model, they came up with different ideas, they changed their minds about things, and they could see the city from a different side. And based on that, that they built a strategy, that this concept that you've been talking about. If we think about that as one part of it, and then we think about in my mind, you created marketing material, like communication material based on these strategies for the general public. And to me, this is a different part of it. Is there any one of those two things which is more important? 
because my, my, my guess is there's a lot of value in both of those things in getting those people around the table, getting them to agree on a strategy to come up with a vision, but also, of course, being able to communicate that vision to the public. So again, sorry for the long-winded question, but my question is, is there any one of those two things which is more important than the other? So it depends really on, on the country, I would say. I live in Switzerland and we say that our country is ruled by the people. So we have this direct democracy. So it's really important that the society and the citizen, that they want to change something. If they want to change something, so they vote for the right people. But at the end, the people in the government will do all the decision or work out the concept in the detail. So I would say 50-50 is the citizen and the government in the case of Switzerland. Yeah, and I guess that depends on what kind of society, what kind of culture you, you live in. So we've been talking about visualization, making the film, using this as a way to communicate you know, what the future might look like or could look like. Have people along the way said, oh, we could also use this model for something else? And the reason why I ask that is because normally on this podcast anyway, we're not talking about this kind of data being used as purely a visualization tool, as purely to create marketing material. We're, we're talking about it to make better decisions. We're measurements, which, you know, that, that old tired phrase of what gets measured gets managed. Are people looking at this model as a, a piece of infrastructure that they can also do other things with as well? Or is it just for communicating the, these ideas, the, these visions? Yeah, this is a really interesting question because everybody I, I show this film answer with a different point of view. So they start to create projects and say, oh, we could use this data for this or for this. One week ago, one person said, oh, this is amazing. We need to have also this data and visualize some kind of a digitalization of the city. So we, we want to have a digital city where you can walk through the city so you can make, for example, um, a digital tourism or augmented reality with 3D models. So we have a very beautiful cathedral, for example, and then you can, can visit this physically, but you have also 3D models and you can view the or see the cathedral from different perspectives or something like this so it's with each person i speak they say oh data like this i also want to include in my project or in my visions so i think or i believe that in the future data like this where you have beautiful 3d data of your city will be a really crucial part of the infrastructure of the city to be present in the web, for example, also that you have governmental processes included into 3D. So actually, if you do in Switzerland, if you want to change something in the house, you need to do this on paper, on 2D. And I hope in the future you can do everything on a platform in 3D that you can see really what are the impacts of the change of the city or of a house to the environment. And it gives us amazing opportunities to better understand the environment of, a, of an object or of um, a part of the city if you change something. Yeah, again, getting back to that idea of a realistic representation of the city where you have a relationship to this, this part, to, to this model, because th this is your home. You understand that, okay, this is the city that I live in. What do you think is a good idea here? So other people will, will listen to this and go, wow, I wish we had that for our city, for example. 
how would you sell, if you had to go around selling this idea to, to cities, <laughs> and just bear with me for a second, if you had to sell the idea to cities, how would you sell it in? Would you sell it in as a, a visualization tool, a tool to create this, this marketing material, a tool to do measurements, or would you sell it in as just, you know, if you have this thing, the ideas will come, like you will be inspired once you have the data. But how, how do you start people on that, on that process? Like how, how do you get them to invest in something like this? Because like you said at the start, this was a year-long process just to capture the data. Yeah. So convincing people to use this needs a very good fundament. And the fundament is what are the tools and the processes behind this? As you said, 80 or 90% was cleaning up the point cloud and nobody wants to do this every year. That means we need some kind of artificial intelligence or something like this, which is doing this for us or a service from the, from the government, which is doing this for us, but can be consumed from a lot of people. And then convincing the, the people to use this is more like not having the data, more like what are the tools you can use in your purpose to create something for your project. And that means nobody wants to buy a supercomputer or a very expensive infrastructure only to visualize something. So that means also that data like this should be consumed on a very easy way so that you have some kind of um, cloud application where you can do all your stuff and you don't need to buy an extreme powerful computer. I think this is the first step that we need to have tools to make it accessible, this amount of data. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you there, but I would also argue tools without data and tools without data that's relevant to you, I mean, that, that's almost, that tools in a vacuum uh, are no good either. So, and I think if people are going to invest time and energy into creating you know, things like this, I think they need data that, that's relevant to them, that they have a relationship to, that has something to do with their local area or a place that they care about. So tools, yeah, I, I, and I totally get what you're saying, but I also think that the data side of it needs to be there as well. And not just any data, but data that they care about. Otherwise, I don't think we're going to see these, these visions. I don't think we're going to see people doing new and exciting things with the data. Yes. So, for example, if you capture a CD and you have to post-process everything by yourself, it takes so much time and so much cost. So you have hundreds of thousands of dollars or um, euros and you cannot process this afterwards or you need to invest in your environment and your software tools and i think it needs to be more democratized that everybody can access this as soon as you can share this data and a lot of people start using the data as it becomes for everybody and if only some specialists can use this data it will remain as very expensive luxury to have data like this i agree with you I think that access to data is a big deal, but not just access to it. Like it's not enough to know that, oh, it's on that you know, hard drive over there. <laughs> it needs to be accessible. Like I need to be able to have tools that allow me to work with it in a way that I don't have to be a specialist. And I, I think that's where we're going to see a lot of creativity. So you mentioned working in the browser before, at least I think you did. Streaming data, working in the browser. What else do you think is going to help give people access to this data? I think this is already the answer with, with the browser. So if you have it in the browser and you can manipulate and make fly-throughs in your browser, 
it would be some kind of a solution that everybody can say, yes, this is how I can work. I don't need to buy a very expensive software or something like this or be um, a master in Blender or another software to visualize it. I can go on this page and manipulate the data or see the data. It's like I'm a platform. And this platform, I would say, this is the fundament of, of sharing the data. If you afterwards can download it and use it in your 3D software of your choice, let's say a CAD or a rendering software, this is up to you. But the accessibility for a good price, this would be the breakthrough to make the data accessible for everybody. So one thing about data is that it needs to be maintained. So we, we live in a world where people want the newest possible data set, right? We want to have, we want to make our decisions based on the latest information. When you think about this project and you think about St. Gallen, do they have plans to update the data set, update the model? Yeah, the city of St. Gallen already has a model and they say that they update it every five years. But to be honest, the model is not that rich in data or information as we used in, in this project. So it's more based on 3D imaging, also with the airplane, but not with LiDAR. And they do it every five years to update the data. But this data is not really accessible for people. So it's more for, um, for the government to, to measure something or to see the state of the city and what is changing and to do city maps, things like this. So you mentioned before that people within the, the council or that were working for the city of St. Gallen, they could see a lot of value in this. They have other projects that they want to do. Has anybody from the public shown up and said, hey, can I have this data? I would like to do this, this and that with it? At the beginning of the, of the project, we contacted also the, um, the government and we wanted to, to make like a, a, a co-project with them. And they said, our data are already up to date. But for our purpose, it was not good enough for the project. So it was these balloon trees and it was not beautiful to make a film. It was good for geodata, for making maps and so on. So they said they are not interested, unfortunately. But afterwards, I would say they see the film and see also the data. And maybe next time they say, OK, we, uh, we become a part, part of this project. And we also invest in this. Do you think this is something that could be scaled up? Do you think you could, could do the same kind of work on larger geographic areas, bigger cities? Or is there some kind of sort of natural balance just because the size of the data sets that, that are generated? As soon as you can process all the data in a cloud or something like this, and you can scale the cloud, there is no border. So as big of the city as better. So because I would say the price becomes much better. So for a bigger city, the, the price per head, per citizen, is much lower. So if you see that you, you have maybe on one side New York City, and on the other hand side, you have one house. So if you scan one house, you have to prepare everything, fly over the house. So it becomes extremely expensive. And on the other hand side, a big city like New York City is like you have 8 million citizens or something like this. And you can divide this by the citizen. And as soon as the citizen become part of this data transformation, or they can use the data and can consume the data and also see that the 3D data really 
make sense and have a profit for, for their life, they also want to use this. By the way, we already use this kind of data. For example, in Google, we are, are already in this 3D environment, digital 3D environment. And I would say there is a next step in front of us that we really can also say we are not only consuming this as citizens, we can also start working with this data. And working with the data was until now almost impossible. But I think in the future, we will be part of a transformation of the city and we can also participate in this 3D model as citizens. I think that is a really interesting idea. So participation in it. So, so far, what you've described to me is a, it's, it sounds like a, a one-way street, or, although a very well-thought-out one-way street. You collected the data, you had a bunch of experts sitting around looking at it, coming up with different possible scenarios, and then those scenarios were presented to the community. But it didn't seem like the community could participate. They could obviously give feedback, but that active participation, they couldn't go in and change things, geotag things, put labels on things. But what you're saying is like, why can't people do that in the future? We get better tools, we give people more access. Why can't we have citizens participating in what they think the strategy should look like, what they think that the future could be? Now you've been through this whole process of collecting the data, working with these experts, creating the, the vision and producing these films, and then using the films as marketing material, as communication material towards the, the general public. What would you do differently? Like if you had to start this process again today, tomorrow, <laughs> what would you do differently? So because I work in Leica, um, which is part of Hexagon, I would do it completely different. So I would not do it on my laptop, which was really at the end of, of its capability. So with the RAMs and so on, and then also the graphic card, I would go and do it on, on the platform from Hexagon and try to, to do all this manipulation and fly-throughs and in the model we have now. So the, the data we collected was also going into this platform. So the, the platform is HXDR. So it's, it stands for Hexagon Digital Reality. And it looks a little bit like um, a Google Earth. So you have the Earth and you can zoom in. And also some cities are with high precision geospatial data. And you have these beautiful 3D models there. And if I can work there, it would be an amazing advantage for me because I have a very good visualization and I can manipulate it directly in a browser or in an application where I have endless power, like this cloud scaling we discussed before that I have like in a film set or something like this that you have really powerful computing of 3D data. And I would go in this direction. Unfortunately, this platform was not available at the time of the project or it was ramping up. So it was not possible for me to participate on this platform and doing the project on this platform. But now I would do it like this. Can you send me a link to that so I can include it in the show notes? Is this a publicly available platform? Can anyone see it? Yes. If you want to have a look at the platform, you need to register. And then you have some kind of a shop. The shop is the globe. And you can go on the globe. You can zoom in the city. You can see, is your city already in 3D? So you, we have a lot in, in Europe and in the US. And you can go 
and zoom in this in the cities and you can also purchase some parts of the city and i would say it's really worthy to have a look at this data and also on on this platform it's already available and it works very well but i would say this is only the beginning of a transformation to have access to 3d data i hope there is coming much more in the future that you can for example that you can include this platform as an application on your homepage or something like this and that you can do your projects directly on maybe your choice of um, 3d program including the data from from this platform but i would say the beginning of of this 3d data it's really amazing and go to this platform and look how the data look like i will definitely take a look thank you very much for that benjamin thanks for this i, I appreciate it like i said at the start of the episode i think this is interesting it's interesting because here the, the goal wasn't to to measure things to to have robots run over everything and, and make measurements and figure out how many doors we've got how many windows we've got the distance to the street all of that kind of stuff well that is possible of course with, with a 3d model like what you've built the goal here was to create some media that could be consumed by the public to help them understand what a city could look like. And I think this is very different from a lot of the stories that we tell in Geospatial. So I, I really appreciate that. You've mentioned a link to this platform. I hope people go and check it out. Where else can people go if they want to watch these videos that you've created or, or learn more about this project? So the project is summarized on a web page. It calls Grünes Galustal. So it means the Green Gallus Valley, so or Green St. Gallen. And there is a web page, there is the film, and we also have some teasers, and you can also download the detailed books. Unfortunately, everything is in, in German. So most people, they speak English, which consume these podcasts, but maybe also having a look to the film gives you also a little bit of an imagination how a transformation can start out and the vision is in the picture not in the in the spoken language so go to also to this web page and scroll through the through the film i will also send you the link of course and hope you enjoy it and maybe it also gives some kind of a beautiful vision for you city or your environment thank you very much benjamin it's been great talking with you thank you it was really nice to be here so thank you very much for tuning in all the way to the end. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Benjamin. I'll put a link in the show notes to the film that we've been talking about. In fact, there's, there's several different films. And I'll also put a link to the HXDR. So HXDR. So this is the platform that, uh, that Benjamin was talking about towards the end of the episode. And I think, I think, it's, I think it's interesting. I, I think it's worth checking out. So as I mentioned at the start of this episode, this is not the typical point cloud episode where we talk about tools and techniques and 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 how we process and manipulate point cloud data. But if you are interested in that, we've actually published several other episodes about point clouds, and I'll put links to those in the show notes of this episode. So that's it for this week's episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. As always, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. A good place to do that is at mapscaping.com. You'll find my email address and links to our social media profiles. If you have thoughts, comments, or suggestions, I, I would love to hear them. So please feel free to reach out. Okay, that's it for me. I'll see you next week. Bye.